Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Angela Bishop, and for the past 30 years, I've been lucky enough to interview some of the funniest, loveliest, and zaniest celebrities around. There have been some cracker interviews, but what you see on TV is usually just a fraction of what's actually recorded. Find out what went off before the cameras went on. This is Starstruck with me, Ange Fisher. For years, she was called the queen of daytime TV, but to me, Oprah Winfrey is simply the queen. It's 10 years since she brought her show and some of her most loyal audience members to Australia for an extravaganza that won't soon be forgotten. But while her audience was surprised and the Australian media were surprised, I wasn't because I'd been keeping the biggest secret I'd ever kept in my life. I even spoke to Oprah before anyone else knew what was going on. Well, good day, Oprah. It's so much of a thrill to talk to you and you look fantastic in that hat. I am thanking you, Angela, when uh, Andrew McAvoy from uh, Tourism Australia was here and we were in the midst of all of that crazy stuff going on stage. He uh, handed me the hat and I love a great hat. And so when I land in Australia, I'll probably be wearing this hat. And when I leave, I'll be wearing this hat. I love this hat. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't know if you have any idea what a frenzy you have caused over here, but it's immense. Are you as excited to be coming as we are all excited here to, for you to be coming? I think probably more excited because when John Travolta was here and said that the moment of this experience begins the moment we all step onto the Qantas plane, I thought even better. The moment started when I made the announcement because happiness uh, is having something to look forward to. So every person who left here myself included, has this whole vision in our minds of what we think Australia is like, and then preparing for the trip, and what are you going to wear, and telling all your friends. And so, yeah, I'm probably even more excited than you all are to receive us, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, a great many of your fans are aware that I'm chatting to you today, so there are a few key things they'd love to know. First off, do you have any idea which guests you're likely to have on the show? Yeah, I do. <laughs> share, please. We share. have an idea. We're just not, we're not telling you, Angela, or anybody <laughs> there yet, because we also want to surprise some of you Aussies too. So yeah, we do have an idea. We wouldn't be coming all that way unless we sort of had a kind of clue. So I'm not going to get there and then try to figure it out. <laughs> we we kind of know already what we're planning on doing. There are some other fans who'd like to know exactly where it is you're going to stay because they'd like to offer you their spare room so you can bunk down and try out some real Aussie hospitality. Well, I feel really, I feel grateful, I feel appreciative, I feel excited about the possibility of 
staying anywhere in Australia. <laughs> I've been talking about it for years coming, and I will have to say some wonderful Australian viewers have come to my show over the years, and every time anybody from Australia comes, they always stand up in the audience and say, you must now come, you must come, you must come see us. And I always say, well, you're the only person I would know. So now <laughs> I'm going to go look for all those cards I've been saving over the years <laughs> from uh, folks who've come from Australia. So I don't know where I'm going to be staying. You know, the idea of staying at a real Aussie's house uh, is actually pretty appealing to me. So I, I don't know who that would be, but uh, I I'm not even ruling that out. Wow, that's pretty exciting. What are some of the things that interest you about our country? Oh, everything. The food, the wine, <laughs> let's start there. The Great Barrier Reef, the animals, the Aboriginal people, the culture, shopping, the Sydney Opera House, just everything about it. I mean, I, I find it to be exotic yet uh, feels homegrown and the people feel and I've you know, been told, and my experience has always been that Aussies are so friendly and down to earth. So I'm excited about seeing a new culture, being on the other side of the world, being able to say, g'day, mates, uh, <laughs> and uh, getting to know a whole other group of people. We've just elected our first female prime minister. Mm-hmm. I heard. So we're I excited. Heard. I'm excited about that, being in a country where you have the first uh, female prime minister and... Uh, you know, maybe I can meet her. And just to be able to, maybe that will be one of our surprises. <laughs> uh, and just to be able to, for me, it's always about, um, you know, the reason why I wanted to do this trip with 300 viewers is to be able to share and connect with people in a way that they ordinarily wouldn't be able to do for themselves. So I'm looking forward to the experience of making connections with uh, Aussies. You referred earlier to some of the wonderful Aussies you've met and interviewed over your years. Who are some of your favourites? Hugh Jackman! <laughs> um, like him a lot. <laughs> Baz Luhrmann! <laughs> like him a lot. Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe, like them a lot. Uh, the little Irwin girl liked her a lot. And as I was saying to you earlier, for me, it's every time somebody comes to the show, and generally that happens three or four times a month, there's somebody here from Australia. It's the regular folks, you know, getting to know just regular people. Like them a lot. <laughs> so it's going to be exciting for us. We're looking forward to it. Now, your Aussie accent has been coming along beautifully. I've heard little bits and pieces. It's really coming along very well. I think you should be very pleased. I need a guarantee <laughs> from you, though. Are you going to try... Ooh. Our national... I'm going to be so good. <laughs> Are you going to try our national dish, our national spread, Vegemite? Veg Vegemite. I intend to try anything that's not crawling. <laughs> so, so if Vegemite doesn't crawl, I will be trying it, yes. It's, it's our, like our version of uh, peanut butter, right? Peanut butter and jelly. That's yeah. absolutely right. It might be a bit more of a surprising taste than that, though. <laughs> okay. I'm game. I'm open. Yes, bring it on. When watching you over the years on the show, whether you have Hollywood's biggest star sitting next to you or someone we've never heard of but who has an amazing story to tell, they both appear in exactly the same way, totally at ease with you. What, what is your secret? Uh, let's see. I don't know if there is a secret. What I do know uh, 
is that I, I just really feel that there's a commonality in the human experience, and that is uh, we all want to be heard. And so over the years, Angela, you, you would know this too, that no matter who you interview, no matter how famous they are, at the end of the day, I remember uh, last year, was a couple years ago, 2000, yeah, 2008, Beyonce was on. Yeah. And she'd just done a, a great performance as only Beyonce, in her Beyonce way. <laughs> and during a commercial break, she leaned over and she said to me, was that okay? <laughs> was that okay? And I just thought, wow, even Beyonce. Beyonce. So whether you're talking to someone who's going through a crisis or has had a difficulty or been in a scandal or is Beyonce, the commonality in the human experience is we all want to know that we're okay. Mm -hmm. We all want to be validated. We all want to be heard and to know that what we said meant something. So I have kind of always understood that. And that was, that was an aha moment for me when Beyonce leaned over and said, was that okay? Oh, bless. Uh, I want to go, you are Beyonce. <laughs> Anything you want to do is okay. So when, when that happened, I thought, yeah, it's true. It doesn't matter who you are, how great you are, how great you look. Uh, how great a performer you are. You still want to know, was, was that okay? Did you, did, was, did you hear that? Did that mean something to you? So I understand that, and that's why it's easy to talk to anybody and everybody. Oh, it's brilliant. As you come into your final season, have you had a chance to look back and reflect on the amount of good you've been able to do thanks to your success? Well, I haven't had a lot of reflecting time. <laughs> Uh, I am sure that by the time uh, we do our last show, there will be plenty of time to sort of look back and see. I will say this, that when I started, um, as we begin each season, there's usually a big off-site meeting someplace for a couple of days with the producers as we're planning. And as they were planning the season, there were lots of tapes of people who uh, they'd gone out and look, looking for ultimate viewers. And there were tapes of people who'd been watching since they were kids and coming home and watching with their moms and people who sort of grown up with me. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's one of the few times I've actually, I thought, gee, the show really has had a huge impact on a lot of people in ways that you would never expect. You know, on this first premiere show, for example, uh, the woman from Canada who said that she saw the show that John Travolta had given me a toast and that made her think, well, I would like for somebody to say that about me in my life. You never know, Angela. You just never know when something I say, an audience member says, or a, a guest says, is going to have a, a kind of resonation with somebody that causes them to think differently about themselves. So over the years, almost 5,000 shows, that's happened thousands and thousands of times. I would have to say I don't think about it a lot, but I am absolutely proud of my team because I don't do this alone. I do this with a team of people who make me look good. I'm, literally, thank you for the lighting today. <laughs> <laughs> so it's everybody contributing to this, this whole um, organization that makes it work. Well, it's been an absolute thrill to talk to you today. I can't wait to meet you in person when you get here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And may I say again, good day, Mike.
It wasn't long before D-Day when Oprah, her hard-working crew and her very excited guests, many still in their Qantas PJs, landed on Australian soil, where Oprah's first stop was Hamilton Island. Now, once again, it was just her and me for the first chat when she arrived here, and boy, did the wildlife know how to put on a show. Well, I have been here one hour and I've seen two koalas mating already. <laughs> That's uh, your first impression of Australia. <laughs> I've been here, really, really. That is, it's like happened on cue. Cue the mating. Uh, Elvis and Phoebe. Amorous marsupials. That's how we welcome our special overseas <laughs> guests. Incredible. Then it was time to find out just how many of Australia's amazing sights she was going to be able to cram in to her visit. I'm going to chop her over the Great Barrier Reef, and then I'm going to go to Uluru more, and then I'm going to go to Melbourne, and then I'm going to go to Sydney, and then other people are in Tasmania, and other people are going to Perth, and so we're trying to cover it all in the next eight days. I can only be in one place at one time, but I'm trying to, the reason why I wanted to go to Uluru, Paul Simon called me and said, you must, it's a not to be missed. So originally, viewers were going to be there, and I wasn't going to be there because I was going to spend one more day here. So now I get six hours in the bed, and then I'll go to Uber. Oh, I'm is... trying to do it all. I'm trying to do it all in eight days. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Husey here. You can't get enough of Husey. We have a problem. Channel 10's hit show. Well, now there's more to get. We've got a podcast. Find it at your favourite podcast app. Oprah's ultimate Australian adventure continued. She saw the Great Barrier Reef. Of course, she went to Uluru. Melbourne's Federation Square put on a welcome that had to be seen to be believed. And then it all culminated in the recording of two shows at the Sydney Opera House. Now, to get a ticket to that, you had to go into a ballot and 350,000 people put their name into a ballot for just 12,000 seats. 6,000 lucky people for each show. They got to see an incredible guest list, including Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban, Russell Crowe, Terry Bindi and Robert Irwin, and who could forget Hugh Jackman. And his rather memorable entrance when Wolverine style, he came down on a flying fox flying through the air from the top of the Sydney Opera House, but smacked into the stage head first and ended up arriving on stage with blood gushing from a gash above his eye. Rest assured, the very, very precious face of Hugh Jackman was not permanently damaged by this incident and it did make news all around the world. 
It took a little while until the actual episodes aired here in Australia. And along with those two episodes, Oprah aired a behind-the-scenes special where she showed a whole lot more of her adventures. And also, you got to have a really good look at just how her team worked and the incredible organisation involved in making something like this happen. Now, as a result of that behind-the-scenes show, she got what could only be described as some mixed press here in Australia as people decided to take issue with little bits and pieces of conversations they'd overheard or heard during that behind-the-scenes special. And Oprah felt that she'd been dealt with a bit unfairly in some of those articles. So she reached out to me and said she'd like to address them. So we Skyped. And here for the very first time, you get to hear the entirety of that conversation. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be able to address this. I just want to start by saying, you know, of all the things that have been written, said, negatively, misinterpreted, taken out of context, names I've been called, things that have been said about me, and there have been a few over the years, nothing is more disappointing to me. I got to tell you, nothing is more disappointing to me than having people think that I would say or in any way have any disregard for that incredible experience uh, in Australia. So the reason why I wanted to talk to you and, and, and have people hear my voice and hear me say it and not have it be interpreted through a newspaper is because whatever is being misinterpreted as you know me leaving with a sense of emptiness is absolutely not true. It just absolutely is not true. It's completely taken out of context. And uh, I'm disappointed that that has happened, but that's why I'm happy we can talk through Skype to clear it up. It's come from the screening of the of the fabulous behind-the-scenes specials you've done, which is screening yeah. on, the, on the own network here. And we did get a chance to really see how amazing an experience your Australian adventure was for you. And it was, wasn't it? Well, it was the most, I would have to say, one of the, not one of the most, I would say... Other than spending 10 days at Nelson Mandela's house, it is the single other greatest experience of my life and career to be able to come to Australia and meet the Aussies and uh, be a part of that whole experience with 302 audience members. And just to see that on the other side of the world, people have the same feelings, same ideals, share the same hopes, dreams, ambitions, that was, was incredible for me. It's one of the, the top two experiences of my lifetime. We'll take that. That's good. That's good. Okay. But a couple of bits of the show do seem to have been taken out of context in a couple of reports that have been written in Australia, including how you remembered the pronunciation of the Prime Minister's name. Well, I think that the biggest mistake anybody can make in an interview, and maybe you have made this a couple of times also, is to mispronounce somebody's name. You ob obviously, in any conversation, if you mispronounce the name, everything else you say has no credibility. And I think the highest level of respect you can give to somebody is to try to at least get their name right. And so when you look at the name, it looks like it can be pronounced Gillard. And so I was playing a mind game with myself, Gill and Lard, Gill and Lard, to make sure I didn't say Gillard instead of Gillard. It's as simple as that. I mean, no disrespect intended, of course, to the prime minister, only the most utmost of respect, because I was trying to not to slip and say J instead of Gil. And so that, that was one of those behind the scenes 
in my game, you know, in my head games, I was playing to remember the name. Some reports also mentioned that you felt an emptiness following the Federation Square um, Day in Melbourne. What did you mean by that? What did you mean by emptiness? Well, if, uh, if, if you look at the behind the scenes in its full context, you will see that after that uh, incredible outpouring of Aussie affection in Federation Square, I came back and had a meeting with the executive producer, Sherry Salata, and also with the head of publicity for, for our team, Lisa Halliday. And I said, guys, I know you all are excited that everybody showed up, and that's really wonderful that people showed up. I think it was a missed opportunity. I said, I know you all are feeling all great about yourselves because you got 10,000 people to show up. To me, it was a missed opportunity. And I agree with whoever the reporter was. There was a reporter in the Herald Sun that did a story the next day and said, you know, in the end, I just remember the line, last line was, in the end, it was much ado about Oprah. So I said, you know, I agree with that guy. I agree that in the end, you made it all about me and it wasn't about the audience and leaving the audience with something. I mean, you know, not a mascara tip, you know? So I felt that it was all about me coming and saying hello, and I didn't feel like I actually made a, a meaningful connection. What I said to them was, you know, people got dressed, they showered, they took a train, they took a bus, they drove themselves, they came with their friends, and in the end, they said, you know, hi, Oprah, and I said, hi, and that was it. I would have, you know, preferred that uh, I had the opportunity to say something more meaningful, to leave people with something that they felt that they could, you know, take away or give them something that they felt that they could actually take away. So the emptiness did not come from anything that the audience did. It was because of the way I felt we, as the producers of that event, set it up and created what I thought was a missed opportunity to have something really meaningful. Did you feel unsafe at any time? Were security levels okay? No, and I will tell you that when I looked at the behind the scenes episode, you know, as I preview them before they go to air, I called up the executive producer, Sherry Salat, and I went, what is the big deal? What is everybody talking about? Security, oh, security and security and security. And she said to me, well, it was as much about the people, the crowds, and being able to control the crowds and manage the crowds. And they didn't feel that they could do that on the tram, because originally we were going to be on a, on a tram, and they didn't feel that they could handle that on, on, a, on a tram. And so that's what all of that conversation was about, because I felt the same thing. When I saw that, I went, well, was there some kind of security threat? Was there some kind of, uh, you know, Sniper's situation. I didn't. I didn't know what that was. So the security, as was explained to me by by my team, was as much about the security conversations were much about how do we protect crowds of people as well as yourself. And then um, the the other incident was um, I, I think that, that 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 people are taking out of context is my walking along the where 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 were we? The Yarra. Yarra River. Okay. As we were walking along there, I later said to my team that I did not feel that that was a sound production move, that my first introduction to the prime minister of the country is walking along this uh, throughway where you have crowds of people. 
I couldn't hear her. She couldn't hear me. It wasn't the best production choice, I felt. You know, I'm trying to pay attention to the crowd because not wanting them to think I'm ignoring them and then listen to what she's saying. But we neither of us could really hear each other because we're, you know, shouting over the crowd. So I thought that it was a poor production choice on the part of my team to put us in that situation. Understood, understood. I have to say, you gave so much joy to so many people while you're in Australia. What sort of feedback did you get from fans? I have to tell you, the feedback from everybody in this country has been, I want to go there, I want to go there. I got to save up my money to go there. I would have to say that I think that for me personally, Uluru was one of the highlight experiences of my Australian adventure. And so, and also for the 14 people who were there with us. I mean, I would tell anybody, if you're going, you have to go to Ayers Rock, you have to go to Uluru. You know, I made a comment on the tape that 104 degrees and flies, there were, it was 104 degrees. It was 104 degrees, people. <laughs> and there were flies, but so worth it. So worth the trip. So I am disappointed. I am actually quite, I would have to say, hurt by some of the implications that it was anything other than the most fantastic experience for me and also for the viewers. You know that the viewers came back and started their own philanthropic group. It was such a life-changing giving experience to them that they've come back and started their own philanthropic group so that they can give back as they were, were given to. So it, it remains, you know, one of the great highlights of my life and can't wait to come back. So I hope this clears that up. Yeah, and it's good to hear you're still planning to come back. I can't wait. Have a little uh, uh, Vegemite. Very little. Can't wait to have a very little Vegemite. <laughs> Getting to spend so much time with Oprah Winfrey during her ultimate Australian adventure was without doubt the highlight of my professional life. What I learned about making television in that sort of two-week period is almost as much as I've learned in the other 30 years doing it here. She's just extraordinary. Her attention to detail, the way she interacts with fans, the way she works with her team. She is an extraordinary role model for anyone who works in this industry. And as we know, thanks to her incredible philanthropy, an extraordinary role model, full stop. I've been lucky enough to catch up with her in the 10 years since, including what I would say one of the most memorable ones was just after she was given the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globes. And you might remember it was a, a very powerful speech, which had many people speculating that she was putting a hat in the ring to run eventually for President of the United States. And uh, I caught up with her backstage, and you'll see a photo of this in the notes for this podcast. And I said, well, Madam President, that will really be quite a day when you nominate. And she goes, do you really think that's what people are going to think as a result of this? And I said, yep, indeedy. There is no doubt about it. It was so inspirational. One thing I'd never seen when in the media room where I was backstage, we all jumped to our feet and gave a standing ovation. And let me tell you, that is something you never, ever see the media do in these sort of situations. So I think there's a lot more we're going to see from Oprah Winfrey in years to come, and I, for one, can't wait. Thanks for listening. I'm Ange Bishop, and this has been Starstruck, a Studio 10 podcast for 10 speakers. Hi. 
Stu here from 10 Speaks. It's our one year anniversary and we are glad to have been able to create some great shows across a wide range of topics. There's politics with The Professor and the Hack hosted by Hugh Rimmington and Peter Van Onselen, lifestyle and design in Hammer at Home with Barry Dubois, deep dives on our reality shows with The Reality Bite and Australian Survivor Talking Tribal, Short Black with Sandra Sully which shares the stories of some amazing women, Starstruck with Angela Bishop looks back at interviews with the biggest stars in entertainment. There's Wes William Tyrrell, Ramsey Beat, that's a cheeky little pun on Ramsey Street for those not paying attention closely. There's the Western Front, there's Husey, we have a problem. Ooh, what a tasty menu. Go to the 10 Speaks page on Template to check them all out, and thanks to everyone who has listened and helped make our first year so big. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.